Section two of With the Royal Army Medical Corps in Egypt by Sergeant Major R. A. M. C. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two Egypt and the Great War Part one Though in the following pages our single purpose is to present a chronicle of the work of the british army medical service during those stirring scenes of the war which were enacted in and about egypt it is not possible to do so without including from time to time some brief narrative of the general course of events the situation in egypt following the outbreak of war in august of nineteen fourteen constituted a deeply interesting though anxious study for all who knew that country and had its welfare at heart it was clear however that so long as turkey maintained her neutrality the position was not without many reassuring features obviously nothing would be done by the central powers to drive turkey into the arms of the allies an attack therefore on any part of the ottoman dominions such as egypt then was in name at least seemed little likely to ensue moreover egypt was possessed of superb natural frontier defences to the north lay the mediterranean where the allied fleets could be depended on to ward off an attack eastward stretched the sinai desert which from time immemorial has presented a well-nigh insuperable barrier against an invading army to the west was the libyan desert equally impracticable for an attack in force while both geographically and politically any sort of menace from the south was highly improbable as regards egypt itself thanks to the past wisdom of cromer and kitchener the vast majority of the population had become thoroughly content with its lot under the british occupation and little likely to seize the opportunity of our embroilment elsewhere to create internal trouble the imperial government was therefore quite right in regarding egypt as for the moment outside the pale of hostilities and in devoting almost the entire strength and resources of the empire to deal with the great conflagration raging so much nearer home the major portion of the british garrison in egypt and with it most of the men of the royal army medical corps stationed in that country were drafted to europe where their services were most needed egypt was left in the main to the protection of its own army now thoroughly reorganized and regenerated after more than thirty years tuition at the hands of its british officers moreover part of the immediate scheme of the authorities at home was to use egypt as a vast training ground and depot of the human material for the new imperial army a purpose for which the country was peculiarly adapted 
by reason of its central position between the eastern and western portions of the empire though there was an interval a highly dangerous interval as subsequent events were to prove when egypt was well-nigh denuded of british arms our troops soon began to pour into the country whole fleets of transports packed with lancashire territorials australians new zealanders the flower of the indian native army arrived at alexandria or filed through the suez canal and the dangerous dead point was passed before it was well realized how far and for how long the secret agents of the enemy had been at work in egypt against us it would avail little here to inquire the fact that they failed that the great opportunity for a popular rising passed by harmlessly must be reckoned as one more spray in the perennial laurel wreath of cromer for it was his wisdom that had created a contented peasantry in egypt this fact alone it was that now saved the day the fellaheen to the lasting credit of their good sense refused to rise against us and the danger passed it has been said that at the outbreak of war the strength of the contingent of the royal army medical corps then doing duty in egypt was greatly reduced few officers and ncos and men remained for service with the depleted garrisons before the end of nineteen sixteen however the strength of the corps in egypt had risen enormously how that army of doctors field ambulance men and hospital orderlies came into being and what it accomplished remains now to be told to the aid of the mere handful of medical service men staffing the two military hospitals at the citadel cairo and at ras el tin near alexandria came first of all the three east lancashire field ambulances forming part of the forty second territorial division which landed in egypt towards the end of september nineteen fourteen then followed early in december the indian troops destined primarily to guard the suez canal accompanied by their field ambulances and two complete general hospitals which were stationed one at cairo and one at alexandria the new zealand imperial force with its field medical contingent arrived in egypt about the same time and towards the end of the year the first division of the australian imperial force reached alexandria bringing with it five complete units of the australian army medical corps fully equipped in the meantime revolution in quite other and much more happy guise had come to egypt her age-long master and oppressor the sultan of turkey had thrown in his lot with the enemies of the british people and thus at a single stroke solved one of the most complicated problems that had ever perplexed our home statesmen more than a hundred years ago mehemet ali 
the first and the greatest of the cadivers had said england must some day take egypt as her share of the spoil of the turkish empire and now by the sultan's own insensate act the way to the fulfilment of this prophecy was suddenly opened we made egypt our own indeed but strictly in accordance with the empire's ancient altruistic precedent we made her a sovereign independent state under her own sultan and straightway set about the task of fighting her battles for her in the old-time british way that egypt was now in for troublous times was apparent to all capable of the necessary world-wide view of a war that was destined soon to take practically the whole earth for its arena it was clear that no enemy of britain wishing to do the empire greatest harm could fail to see that the destruction of the suez canal must constitute one of the most fatal blows that could be dealt us but equally clear to all sides were the extreme well-nigh insurmountable difficulties of the task that turkey essayed this single-handed in january february of nineteen fifteen transporting over some one hundred and fifty miles of sandy rocky and almost waterless desert a force of twelve thousand to fifteen thousand men dragging with them half a dozen batteries of field guns at least one six-inch gun and a number of heavy metal boats in which to effect the canal crossing must rank as no less than an act of heroism this quixotic venture resulted as all the world knows in the complete defeat of the enemy the capture of many prisoners and the break-up of the attacking force the preparations made by the medical service for the engagement were admirable in addition to the field ambulances with the troops stationed at intervals in the length of the canal a number of temporary hospitals were established in the vicinity of the expected operations and carefully thought-out arrangements made for the treatment of such enemy wounded as should fall into our hands three hospital trains were also constructed and fitted out by the egyptian state railway by which all wounded were rapidly removed from the canal zone and conveyed to the base hospitals in cairo the whole operation was a valuable one in many ways for it not only gave a practical lesson to our ramc men in field ambulance work under desert conditions but it brought the authorities in the anglo-egyptian command to a full realization of the quality of the turk as an antagonist a lesson that was destined to be driven home in much sterner fashion as swift marching events were soon to show with the repulse of the first turkish attack on the suez canal the part to be played by egypt in the titanic struggle of the nations entered upon a new phase the war it seemed was to be carried into the enemy's country 
the mediterranean expeditionary force under sir ian hamilton arrived in egypt established its base at alexandria and in april set out for the dardanelles thence onward instead of dealing as hitherto with a series of more or less disjointed happenings it becomes possible to present a fairly well-connected narrative of the work of the royal army medical corps in this part of the near eastern area of war it is a story now of a great crisis triumphantly met and overcome it begins properly with the earliest days of the memorable year nineteen fifteen when vast camps had to be established in various quarters to accommodate the british colonial and indian troops which were flocking into egypt for training in such enormous numbers camp life is safe and salutary enough albeit on the larger scale if certain elementary principles of sanitation and disposal of waste products are rigidly observed even in a small camp moving on at no widely separated intervals to clean ground and fresh surroundings these laws must be punctiliously adhered to or harm will follow but when large numbers of men and animals are crowded together within a circumscribed space and remain there for a prolonged period the undeviating observance of all laws of sanitation and conservancy becomes literally a matter of life and death the true cause of the large amount of sickness which now occurred among the troops mainly among the colonials encamped in egypt lay not in a want of theoretical knowledge or ability on the part of the officers whose duty it was to safeguard local conditions but in their inexperience of military life in time of war an officer of the royal army medical corps is required and rightly so to be much more than physician surgeon and sanitary specialist he must be able not only to instruct direct and discipline his own ambulance men in their work in hospital or field but must be conversant with every detail of army camp life and understand the soldier and his habits through and through in these purely military matters the colonial medical officers in charge of the hastily recruited dominion troops eminent as many of them undoubtedly were in their profession could hardly fail to be deficient that they eventually learnt their lesson and learnt it well is known to all but in the meantime the inevitable happened among the troops encamped a very large number of cases of infectious disease occurred these being mainly cases of measles mumps and intestinal disorders of mumps alone some twelve hundred cases were treated among the australian troops and it is estimated that during the first few months of nineteen fifteen there was a continuous daily average of two thousand men in hospital from these causes a sick list which might 
and should have been obviated if the ordinary right procedure established in the british army as to measures of prevention in infectious complaints and isolation of early cases had been adopted in time but wherever lay the fault for this condition of things it entailed a grave responsibility on the army medical authorities in egypt and marked indeed the beginning of that long period of strain ultimately developing into a supreme tax on all the medical resources of the country for which to those who took part in it the year nineteen fifteen will be ever memorable all that devolved on egypt consequent on the launching of the british expedition against the dardanelles when the time arrives in which the whole story of the war can be reviewed in all its hydra-headed significance this achievement of the army medical service in egypt in dealing with the sudden enormous influx of sick and wounded from gallipoli in the spring of nineteen fifteen will it is safe to prophesy stand out well in the forerank of all that british energy and ingenuity have accomplished from first to last human foresight based on whatever past experience of warfare could scarcely have computed aright the medical needs of an expedition such as that which was hurled against the turks on the gallipoli peninsula but some conception of what might soon be demanded of them seems to have dawned on our medical authorities at an early stage in the campaign and they got to work betimes urgent demands for additional hospital supplies and personnel were cabled home the two permanent military hospitals in egypt were expanded the two australian hospitals which had arrived in january nineteen fifteen and had been established respectively in the heliopolis palace hotel near cairo and in mena house near the pyramids were also enlarged the two indian hospitals which had come out with the force from india were similarly treated the local medical resources of egypt had already been requisitioned during the first turkish attack in february nineteen fifteen and now under the new crisis the egyptian government was again applied to for all possible aid meanwhile additional hospitals were on their way out from home number fifteen general hospital with its equipment stores and personnel reached alexandria on march the fifteenth and by april the first had taken possession of the building ordinarily occupied by the abbasia secondary schools with one thousand and forty beds ready for the reception of sick and wounded a second complete hospital number seventeen general arrived shortly after and was located in victoria college alexandria other hospital units were soon to be on the way two well-appointed hospital ships were in readiness to bring the wounded from the prospective seat of war at gallipoli to the egyptian base 
there was a shortage of hospital sisters and nurses indeed how little the authorities at home had pre-estimated the true nature of the coming campaign may be judged from the fact that the two general hospitals numbers fifteen and seventeen had been sent out without feminine personnel it being intended that these base units should land and be established on the peninsula this shortage of nurses in egypt however could it appeared on an emergency be made up by temporarily making use of local help while detachments of trained army nurses were being sent from home it seemed therefore that all probable demands on the medical staff had been foreseen and provided for and that there was nothing more to do but to await events the event as it proved amounted to little less than a cataclysm what now followed came upon egypt with all the unexpected suddenness of a thunderstorm on a serene summer's day the mediterranean expeditionary force had sailed for some destination unknown or known only to the few in authority the great camps were almost denuded of troops egypt's wonderful april sunshine filled the land with a golden calm and the most bellicose of ramc orderlies looking out from a hospital window over slumbering sunlit desert or the mediterranean's tranquil blue could barely conceive of war but as something infinitely remote and incredible and then with hardly a rumoured word of warning the storm broke on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of april the first fateful landing on the gallipoli peninsula took place and within a few days the wounded began to pour into egypt shipload after shipload of desperately maimed and stricken men arrived at alexandria they came almost without intermission in the first ten days no fewer than sixteen thousand cases were landed and distributed among the hospitals ashore in alexandria all available beds were immediately filled and the rest of the wounded the great majority in fact passed on to cairo there was a period very brief indeed but still fraught with possibilities unthinkable when the sudden strain thus thrown upon the resources of the medical staff in egypt seemed too great for the avoidance of hopeless congestion and disaster but there were a strong hand and a cool head ruling the affairs of the army medical service in the country everywhere without an instant's delay the expansion of existing hospitals was taken in hand and other establishments created either in permanent buildings requisitioned for the purpose or in little townships of canvas pitched in carefully chosen spots in alexandria number fifteen general hospital was expanded to fifteen hundred beds number seventeen was increased to the same number 
and eventually the accommodation at this hospital was raised to a total of two thousand four hundred and sixty beds a german hospital in alexandria the deaconesses which had recently been commandeered for our troops was also pressed into the service additional buildings acquired and the military number nineteen general which soon arrived on the scene installed in the premises another british hospital number twenty one arriving about the same time was located in the egyptian army barracks at ras el tin and was rapidly opened out to a capacity of more than one thousand beds the old permanent british military hospital in alexandria was more than doubled in accommodation the greek hospital in the same town was called upon for aid the egyptian government hospitals in alexandria port said suez and in six of the large provincial towns immediately prepared to receive british wounded and sick meanwhile in cairo still more extensive developments were set in train it was to the capital that the authorities mindful of the danger of creating a state of congestion in the hospitals at the port of entry transported the greater number of cases received from the dardanelles the permanent military hospital at the citadel had its bed accommodation at once doubled the number of beds here eventually reaching seven hundred and seventy five number one australian general hospital which had been established in the heliopolis palace hotel on january the twenty fifth with two hundred beds and had since been increasing steadily was now swiftly expanded to one thousand as the influx of sick and wounded steadily augmented additional buildings in the neighbourhood were pressed into the hospital service until over six thousand beds were available in this quarter alone the egyptian government lent its civilian hospitals in kazarel aini and the army hospital at pont de cubber the sadaya government school building was also handed over to us and within a few weeks had been opened as a hospital by the red cross society with a complement of two hundred beds which rapidly increased to six hundred and fifty the anglo-american hospital immediately placed its wards at the disposal of the british army medical service later a hospital was opened at chobra for infectious cases number five canadian stationary hospital was established at the cavalry barracks in abbasia and the fine building of the egyptian government primary school known as nasria school became a british military hospital with five hundred and eighty four beds in addition to all these arrangements effected for the reception of the wounded and sick among our white troops there were the men of our indian forces to care for these were received by the number five indian general hospital at alexandria which was rapidly expanded to nine hundred and fifty beds and by number eight indian general hospital 
which was installed at the citadel bijou palace and contained beds to the number of nine hundred but the provision of hospital accommodation as enumerated above for the vast numbers of sick and wounded which so suddenly and unexpectedly poured into egypt from the peninsula formed only part of the work of the medical staff extensive as were the arrangements made they would have proved wholly inefficient but for the ingenious scheme of additional camps and depots where the men could be received and cared for during the period of their convalescence these convalescent establishments were from the very first of the utmost help to the authorities in the almost superhuman task of avoiding congestion in the main hospitals in the first rush of wounded from the dardanelles at the end of april nineteen fifteen they enabled the already existing beds to be cleared of patients suffering from minor ailments and in this way a very large amount of hospital accommodation became immediately available for critical cases from overseas thus at heliopolis during the first week of may when the wounded were pouring into number one australian general hospital and its hastily equipped auxiliaries at the rate of four hundred or five hundred a day the conversion of the large el hyatt hotel Helwan, into a convalescent depot immediately relieved the situation later a seaside convalescent camp near alexandria was formed in connection with the same group of hospitals and proved equally valuable other convalescent depots were immediately established at mustapha near alexandria one specially for enteric cases in some buildings near port said lent by the suez canal company others in the palace hotel at bulak el dacroix in the group of mansions at montazar lent by the sultan of egypt in the grand hotel at helwan and at what was called the rest camp at abbasia which alone developed an accommodation of two thousand three hundred beds while a convalescent hospital which received officers only was established in the sirdar's house at cairo the red cross hospital at giza cairo obtained the loan of the walda palace at helwan from the sultan and thither dispatched its own convalescence lastly to deal with cases where a long period of convalescence under medical and nursing care must intervene before the patients could be again fit for duty the great luxor convalescent depot was organized all the hotels at that place six in number being requisitioned for the purpose it is easy to construct in this way a catalogue of the hospitals and convalescent homes which thus as if by magic sprang up in all quarters of egypt to meet a sudden crisis the like of which perhaps never yet faced any army medical organization in the history of the world such a list however reveals to the reader almost nothing at all of the real magnitude of the task involved
it conveys no idea of the enormous amount of physical labour which devolved on the all too scanty staff of the royal army medical corps and of the australian army medical corps leaving out of account the mental strain of devising and directing the multiplicity of operations at the beginning of the year nineteen fifteen the director of medical services in egypt had at his disposal for white troops hospital accommodation to the extent at most two thousand beds counting all sources by may this number of beds had been increased to thirteen thousand but under the spur of continued necessity the amount of hospital accommodation in egypt for our sick and wounded soldiers of all races eventually reached a total of some thirty six thousand beds during the eight critical months of the year nineteen fifteen extending from may to december when the gallipoli campaign was in progress thousands upon thousands of desperately wounded or disease-stricken men were landed in egypt yet in spite of the enormous influx there was not a single one but had his needs well and promptly met for each were provided a shelter a decent bed the best of medical surgical and nursing skill food and sick-room comforts without stint clothing where needed easy transit from place to place by road or rail and a cheerful comfortable home in one of egypt's famous health resorts wherein to grow strong and fit again for the empire's service if that might be or in the case of permanent incapacitation from duty a berth in a homeward-going hospital ship excellently appointed and staffed how all this was successfully achieved on so large a scale and under such pressure of time and circumstance becomes only the more remarkable when we consider in detail the difficulties encountered though as soon as the situation was made known to them by cable the home authorities took immediate steps to send out an adequate supply of medical personnel stores and equipment the early and most vital part of the crisis had to be met with local resources alone it was difficult enough to obtain at a few hours notice the necessary buildings in which emergency hospitals on a large scale could be established and when found still more difficult to prepare them for occupation in no single case of all the buildings pressed into service could use immediately be made of the premises on any considerable scale for the accommodation of wounded men in all the sanitary arrangements and cooking facilities were either woefully insufficient or totally lacking the two great public schools in alexandria where numbers fifteen and seventeen general hospitals were installed possessed it is true well-appointed kitchens but these had to be enlarged at once and additional latrine accommodation provided 
the old egyptian army barracks at ras al tin where number twenty one general hospital succeeded eventually in establishing itself on so commanding a scale was at first not only entirely destitute of anything that could be called a sanitary installation but it was in an indescribably filthy condition and moreover infested by vermin the cleansing of this augean stable and its transformation into a thoroughly good hospital in record time was one of the most notable feats performed by the men of the ramc the friends of the late sir victor horsley who was attached to this unit of the medical service in egypt will be interested to hear that the great surgeon setting a fine example to the desperately overworked staff himself insisted on taking a share in the cleansing operations going down on his knees with the rest in the work of scrubbing the floors at cairo especially in the development of the group of hospitals which sprang up round the original australian establishment at heliopolis palace hotel this difficulty in preparing the buildings taken to house the incoming thousands of wounded men may be said to have reached its culminating point the first patients arrived at heliopolis from the dardanelles on april twenty ninth nineteen fifteen by that time the original hospital had been considerably expanded the tent equipment belonging to the hospital had been erected on the airdrome site about three-quarters of a mile away and subsequent developments had resulted in the capacity of this camp being increased the skating rink at a pleasure resort known as luna park near the first hospital had been enclosed furnished and established as an overflow hospital an infectious hospital had been formed in the race course casino in the emergency which had now arisen all this accommodation originally intended for the most part to serve the vast camps which had grown up round about cairo was pressed into the new service the patients previously in possession or rather all those not too seriously ill to be moved being transferred to a convalescent hospital which was immediately established in the great hotel of al hyatt at helwan this was furnished at once and lent itself to expansion at a pinch at the same time number two australian general hospital which had opened at manor house near the pyramids in the early part of the year was installed in the jazeera palace hotel cairo and was rapidly equipped mena being retained as an overflow as time went on and the rush of wounded continued the lunar park establishment was largely increased a large workshop at heliopolis known as the atelier was taken equipped and opened being filled in a single day soon after the heliopolis sporting club pavilion was also commandeered and converted into a hospital which was rapidly enlarged subsequently hospital for infectious diseases were opened at chobra 
and in the artillery barracks at Abbasia. in addition to all this the outlet for convalescent cases from this australian group of hospitals was greatly widened by the establishment in the razel tin school at alexandria of a seaside convalescent home also in the palace or rather group of mansions at montazar near the same town which as has been previously stated was lent by the sultan of egypt for the purpose an admirable convalescent hospital was created where australian patients could be housed the work involved in the preparation of all these establishments was enormous and it fell entirely on a staff which under normal conditions was required to perform only the duties of a general hospital of limited size perhaps no better way of conveying an idea of what was accomplished by this devoted band of doctors and orderlies of the australian army medical corps can be chosen then by giving an extract from the quartermaster's diary at the time it deals with only forty-eight hours of a long enduring crisis june eighth to ninth during the twenty-four hours a large number of patients were admitted to the hospital to each man my department issued lime juice biscuits pyjamas shirts towels mug soap bowl plate knife fork spoon socks handkerchiefs and shoes on the night of the eighth or rather in the early morning of the ninth we worked until three thirty a m the ambulance train did not arrive till two a m prior to the arrival of the train we received word that parties of wounded men were leaving for england and australia by train in the morning we had consequently to prepare twenty-four hours rations for these men assembling for work about six thirty a m on the ninth most of them were on special individual diet furthermore a number of them entered the hospital naked and had to be issued with hospital clothing for the voyage after these were dispatched we went to work to make provision for the large army of wounded men who had arrived overnight the extra rations etc were duly provided later in the day we received orders to convert a machinery workshop the artelier into a hospital to supply linen blankets stove hospital and cooking utensils to erect a kitchen and to make special sewerage and ventilation arrangements the beds were ready for occupation within twenty-four hours while this work was in progress word came that the clubhouse of a local golf club had been commandeered and beds were to be erected immediately at three thirty p m on the ninth i had a lime juice at the bar in the clubhouse and the people had then no idea of our intended occupation at six thirty p m the first mattresses and beds were delivered and the hospital commenced tonight the tenth the hospital is fully equipped and ready for occupation 
the hospital completed yesterday is to be occupied to-night it is extremely doubtful if any quartermaster's department in the army medical corps has ever been called upon to accomplish so much in forty-eight hours when it is remembered that our staff is only for an establishment of one-seventh of the beds now available only one of my men failed to stand the strain and as he was dropping asleep at his work through sheer exhaustion i sent him to bed we now control six hospital buildings and two nurses homes in heliopolis the above extract fairly represents the state of things prevailing at the time throughout the entire hospital system of the country it does not touch however on several important aspects of the crisis notably what was done to organize and extend the female nursing section how the supply of hospital equipment and material was maintained how the transport by road and rail of such vast numbers of helpless sufferers was effected and perhaps the most difficult if not the most important of all how the problem of feeding the multitude was solved End of section 2